Mm-hmm. All right, we're recording. Um, so I was trying to remember the end of the Argos game. I was talking to my buddy Bill last night, and we could only remember two things that happened, but there was three things that happened. One was the blocked field goal, which I, I, I know there was a second one. So the first thing that happened that was weird was the blocked field goal by the Argos, right? Mm-hmm. No. Well, by Winnipeg of the Argos. Yes. Was the first one. So the first Winnipeg one. Winnipeg blocked Toronto. That's what and I mean. Yeah. Blocked, and when yeah. that and happened, you're like, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't watch a lot of football, but I've watched enough football over the years to know how rare that is. Yes. And, and then, of course, you're thinking, well, there you go, Toronto. You know, something that almost never happens, happens. And then then the Argos did it. But in between, there was something. Oh, yes. There was a, well, to me, there was like four sequences. The Argonauts, Winnipeg got control of the ball after holding the Argos and then uh, intercepted the ball. And we thought, oh, that's good. That's good. Right. We got the ball back. Right. But then in the ensuing, uh, when then when Winnipeg got it back, remember it was third down, and he yanked that, that guy down for a loss. That would have ended the game right there, but then they were called for a face mask. Right. Right? Yeah, so right. That was, that was what that it was. was. So the, the, the Argos sack him, and I, you know, I'm not using the names here, but they sack Kolaris, I guess. Yeah, the Winnipeg quarterback. And, and that would have ended it because it was way back in Winnipeg <clears throat> zone and it was third down. So the ball, it would have been a turnover. But then the face masking and then Winnipeg maintains the ball and then goes on that march that leads to the blocked field goal. Yeah. So it was it was really almost it was Dan, it was like a farce. The end of that game. <laughs> no, and, and, no. And, and, OK, just pause for a second. That's the thing I had forgotten was the face mask, because at that point, the Argos were up by one point. And they sack the quarterback deep in Winnipeg's end, and you think, and 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 actually, the, the me and our buddy Bill, who I was watching the game with him, and we literally said that's the game because all they'd have to do, they're they're so far down, they, mm-hmm. it would be almost impossible given the time left. And then you see the yellow thing come up and say flag, and we're like, oh come on, and it's mm-hmm. a face mask, and mm-hmm. in tr- and we're and again, you know, I'm not I'm new to the Toronto curse, but. Right away, I'm thinking, oh, this is so Toronto. And then they... Yeah, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but I was just going to say, finally, and then we block their field goal. And it's almost like, what? (laughs) What's happening now? And I believe it was the kid who committed the face mask. And there was no question. It wasn't... That was a legitimate call. They had to call it. I believe it was that kid who got called for the face mask, who blocked the field goal. So he went from chump to hero. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure I read that yesterday. Yeah, there was a couple of really kooky statistics. There was one guy who plays for the Argos. And, you know, that old CFL thing, everyone on the field has played for every team in the CFL. But this kid on the Argos, I can't remember his name. He's been in the league six years, and he's been to the Grey Cup six times. Think about that. He's only played six. Well, only 
He's played six years of football. He's never not gone to the Grey Cup with one team or another, but he's only won it up till Sunday. He'd only won it once. Right. Yeah. You know, it was almost like he was cursed. Um, yeah. Another weird thing is Jim Kelly's nephew is the backup quarterback for the Argos, and he, he's basically used in short uh, yardage situations on the goal line. Like, he's for some reason, he's good at that. But he came in, and he had a nice uh, little game when our guy, three names, got uh, injured, Bethel Thompson. Yeah, that Chad Kelly kid, he's got... Mm-hmm. He had some problems down in the States at university and stuff, getting into trouble and what have you. And I think he's had a couple of NFL tryouts. But to me, he looks like a CFL quarterback. You know, there's just something about mm-hmm. the makeup of a CFL quarterback. In fact, he reminds me of um, <clears throat> Kalaros, of, uh, of the uh, Zach Kalaros of the, uh, of the Blue Bombers, who the Argonauts actually brought to Canada. And gave up a couple of times. And then he went on to become the best player in the league. But that's a story for another day. But <clears throat> yeah. you, you talk about you talk about quirky things, the Argonauts. You know, I think Steve Simmons, I read it yesterday, he said, you know, when, it, when everybody cared about the Argonauts, everybody loved the Argonauts in Toronto, they never won. And now that nobody cares about the Argonauts, they seem to always win. <laughs> yeah. And... Yesterday was the eighth straight <clears throat> um, Grey Cup victory for the Argonauts. Their last eight appearances in the in the Grey Cup, they have won the game. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I know you're saying yesterday because yeah. we, we didn't work yesterday. You mean Sunday. But it's also of the 109 Grey right. Cups, they've won. We've won 16 of them. Actually, I thought it was 18. Okay, we've won 18. I said it very confidently. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I apologize. You're right. It's 18. But, you know, the sad point is is that the younger people, I mean, they, they just don't have, who would it be now? Well, millennials down, really, I would say, maybe. Um, like, they arrived at the airport last night, and there was a few fans there. But, you know, again, that's the Raptors and the Tarmacs full, and the place is going crazy. And remember the one million fans at the Raptor parade, and when the Blue Jays won the World Series back in the 90s, same thing. The, the city was paralyzed in joy. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna have a rally Thursday at Maple Leaf Square, you know, that little area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> no. in, front of, in front of the Scotia Bank, and it's like... I said to Danny, you know, my son, 37, did you watch the Grey Cup game? No, why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I was surprised they were going to have it at Maple Leaf Square. I thought they'd have it at one of the Kelsey's locations. We could have arranged that. (laughs) We could have. We would have known the people would have been well fed, Howard. You know, if if the Leafs won the Stanley Cup away from Toronto, Mm -hmm. they, they would be able to land the plane on five million people holding, you know, waiting on yeah. the tarmac. <laughs> uh, and you know what, Dan? I was going to bring you in here because the other day I asked you if you had watched it and you didn't. You said no. But, you know, it's not like you're alone in the city of Toronto of four or five million people. I can understand it. Like, you know, if I hadn't been here and our dear friend Bill invited me over, we were going to have uh, chicken wings and watch the game. Now, the wings didn't happen because his son's 
uh, lady wasn't feeling well, so he didn't drop any wings over. But we had some beautiful Thai food. That's not even the point. The point is... <laughs> the point like is, a point to me. Well, it's kind of a point, <laughs> because good. I really... I'll tell you the truth. When, when he said, you want to watch the game, uh, my son's dropping off the wings, I really wanted the wings. <laughs> <laughs> because they're really good. But um, as who's playing, <laughs> I, I wasn't as interested in the game. But I will just my point is, if he if I were back in Toronto, I wouldn't have watched that game. I'm maybe I would have I would have watched. I would have tuned in to see what was going on, but I wouldn't have watched it like we did start to finish. You know, it was it was really an event. And, and I said this early, Freddie, and I, I swear I said when it was four nothing after the first quarter, I said, you know, I have these games have a way of being exciting at some point. They always do. And as we just described the last, you know, three or four minutes of the game, it was a great game. It was a much better game than most of the Super Bowls that I watch. And I watch most of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you even look in 2017 when the Argonauts won previously. Um, it was the same scenario. Uh, Calgary heavily favored and the Argos came from nowhere to win the game like they did on Sunday. You know, and it's funny, they have that little stadium down there, BMO Field, and it only seats about twenty eight, twenty nine thousand. You're thinking of the GTA of six, seven million, whatever it is, they could they could get twenty five thousand a game. So you know, the ship has sailed on that because young people they're all into their NFL and they're wagering and all this stuff. And even yesterday on the sports channels, I put them on, I'm talking about the the radio. They didn't talk. I didn't hear any talk about it. It was all NFL stuff from mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. I thought that's sad. But at the same time, I understand because, you know, it's all about audience and the audience just doesn't seem to care. You know, they never TFC wins championships, too. They never talk about TFC on on um, sports talk radio. They just don't because I guess they do the research. And when they talk about the Argonauts or TFC, I, I guess you know, with the rating system, it just shows that the people <laughs> leave. Basically. Yeah. Well, what about, was, what about out west? Is because I remember growing up where you would the Grey Cup Sunday was a big huge. deal for everybody, as as big as uh, Super Bowl was. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one I time, talked, I talked to TJ Connors um, yesterday, who lives in Winnipeg. Scruff's son, as we've explained, he's been on the show. He sent me this thing quickly, just to sidetrack. Back when he worked with me in Peterborough, we were talking about, you know, the future and him just using Peterborough as a stepping stone. And he said, one day I want to have a house with two Christmas trees in it. Right? <laughs> he sent me, me a text yesterday saying, well, I've done it. I now have a house where I can have two Christmas trees. And I said, what are you talking about? And then he reminded me of that conversation we had. Oh, that's so I funny. Felt very, I felt very good for him. But he's obviously in Winnipeg. And I said, what was it like? And he said, it was horrible here yesterday on Monday. It was horrible. That's a huge thing. to them. Oh, yeah. For, it means virtually nothing in Toronto. But in Winnipeg, everybody was hanging their heads, man. Number one, they lost. They were supposed to win. Number two, it was against the dastardly Toronto Argonauts. That's so hard to swallow. He said, yeah, it sucked. And number three, they were going for a three-peat. They were going for a three-peat habit, as you're saying. Yeah, as you're saying. Uh, well, I, you know, I grew up in Moose Jaw. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. <laughs> and my dad was a Riders fan. And my mother, who grew up in Winnipeg, was a Bombers fan. Like, it was a real thing in our house. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a, you know, it was sort of a, you know, playful rivalry. But it was definitely something that it was a, you know, you know, 
the same way my dad used to watch all the uh, Blue Jay games. Like they, like he would never miss a Riders game. Right. You know, it, when the Bombers were playing, it was on in our home. But I would tell you one of the things that we noticed in that field, Mosaic uh, Stadium in Regina. First of all, pretty good looking, pretty good looking oh. stadium, huh? Howard, a jewel. But it's really, a jewel. It really is. the The aerial shots of that it looks so cool. What a wonderful thing for that community to have that. And, you know, you don't Dan and I would have a little more perspective about Regina, but where that stadium is like from the air, it just looked like, man, this is like a cool stadium and, you know, in a city. But it really is surrounded by nothing. Oh, I know when they when they would sort of uh, you know zoom out or whatever the term is, and all you saw was flat. I said, I said to my wife, I said, where are the trees? Yeah, there's there's nothing around it. It was just, it looked like white Arctic tundra. Oh, yeah. But yeah, did, you, not, did you notice that there were a few, there were a few more empty seats than I would have expected? Yeah, but you know what? A lot of those people are in the concourse. It gets cold and they go down and drink beers and, you know. Okay. So, I mean, it, it was sold out. It was only 33000 I imagine. I can't imagine the no-shows are that much, but... Oh, Here's that's what, what it holds. It's because uh, I wasn't sure how big it is. So it's thirty three thousand people. It's perfect yeah. for that size. I mean, perfect yes. for that city. And here is what happens at those games. You have a lot of fans that come from out of town um, that neither that, that don't have an interest in either team other than I'm at the Grey Cup. So a lot of those people, you know, if they're cold, they're down in the concourse or at the bars and stuff like that. So it's a little deceiving that way. Um, you talk about Saskatchewan too in Winnipeg. Um, they so hate the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Regina, Saskatchewan. All the Saskatchewan fans were cheering for Toronto, which I thought, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. must really, really hate. Winnipeg. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty cool. I, I saw some of that that they were uh, cheering on the Argonauts. Exactly. Yeah, you ha- you really have to hate Winnipeg. Yeah. Where did Dan go? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it's funny because I I was kidding Dan yesterday. Um, uh, to see if uh, I just got a note from Tim Niblett. Um, I said, hey, uh, blah, 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 Grey Cup. And he's like, the Grey Cup was on? <laughs> now, you know, years ago, I would have, you know, given him more of the gears. But I mean, it, it, just as we said, uh, you know, it's not like a lot of people were that into the Grey Cup in Toronto. In fact, I would be interested to see what TSN's numbers were. I was thinking about, about that during the game. Like, I wonder what the average you know quarter hours were what kind of totals they were getting well this is something i've struggled with over the years it used to really really bother me when people used to laugh off the cfl and i used to say well yeah but the thing is once the ball is kicked it's a it's a better product it's more fun it's usually more exciting right and that has sort of dissipated over the years like compare that to the bills game on sunday the bills game sucked the bills look shitty you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. like you know, in a lot of the NFL games, um, once the ball is kicked and you're watching the actual competition, more often than not, the CFL is titillating. But that's not what matters now. What matters now is the pizzazz and the names and the stardom and the characters and the office pools. And, you know, you, you can't fight it. That's the way it is in this market. It's never coming back. And you're right about the the speed of the game. It had been a long time. Since, well, I can't remember the last time I watched an entire CFL game. Mm-hmm. But uh, start to finish, 
even though, you know, it sort of began a little bit tentative. Both teams really were having a bit of trouble scoring, but it goes back and forth. I mean, I know the three down things versus the four down is always, you know, people debate that. But what it does provide is a change of momentum every three downs. I mean, not, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. It, it, a change of pace. There's a, there's a pace to the game. And as the game, like the second half started and they started, <clears throat> excuse me, the Argos hadn't scored a touchdown yet. And so all of a sudden there's a different movement. And that second half was as good as any football game that I've watched in a long time, including the Super Bowls. Um, yeah. Because <clears throat> you just know that at some point and it didn't disappoint. That's why I was trying to remember the sequence. You know, it's so rare for somebody to block a field goal. To have yes. it happen twice in the final moments of a game, yes, it's just it was just really really fun. And somebody might argue, how can how can that be good? I mean, that game ended with a series of mistakes on both teams, but it made up for a very very exciting ending. And uh, yeah, well, it just did. And. Um, and here's the great segue. So I, I, the, the game finishes, and I'm right next door to Bill, and we say goodnight. And I come in, and I, I want to call you because I wanted to see what your reaction was. And I also wanted you to know I watched the game. And your first question to me was, how was that on your heart? And that, <laughs> and that is the uh, segue to start the show. Dan, are you in a, uh, a, main, a, a mood and a mode to uh, get ready here? Yeah. You mean to start the show? Yeah. Hey, yeah. how come you had to leave a second ago? Did you uh, did you have to go to make the bathroom? Did you go to the bathroom? Did you? <laughs> no, I did that beforehand, <laughs> as a professional would. A professional I, broadcaster. Yeah, I I unprofessionally unplugged my laptop by accident. Oh yeah, and, uh, didn't realize it, so just uh, just said okay, that's enough. And uh, funny, 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 funny as shit though. Last week, Howard Stern had Neil Young on again fascinating listen to it loved it twice neil had to excuse himself to go have a piss <laughs> 77 oh that's great Howard, do you just mind if i leave the room here for a second and then how and stern of course is why you have to have a piss yeah i do and then it happened again that's great you old bugger there eh? the old uh the old <laughs> prostate pushing on the, uh, <laughs> on the piss bag oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i was thinking about howard stern sometime in the last little while maybe it was because they had bruce springsteen on and i thought you know excuse me you know we've never really discussed this and and i I haven't really thought of it i'm I'm sure i had once or twice before in the last uh, 20 years but when stern came to toronto in 1990 i'm going to say 98 because 97 was our big number one in 97 year and we actually got to number one in 95 but that's a different story you know, what are the chance? It's very humble and Fred Luck when you think about it. That arguably the most famous broadcaster in our business's history. Think about it. I mean, over the, you know, all the great broadcasters over the last hundred years, but nobody more famous or got to the heights of Howard Stern. What are the chances that I'm named Howard and so is he? Like, I don't know if I'm making that point, but you know what I mean? Like, why couldn't it be, why couldn't Humble and Fred be Humble Harv or Humble Harold or, you know, something other than, why do we have to have a guy, me, with the same name as the guy who is arguing? It would be like, I don't know, you know, if your name was Tiger Woods and I'm Tiger, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. 
You're um, a Howard copycat. Is that it? Is that where you're going? Just one. And our luck, you know. I believe his second name is Allen as well. Is it really? I, I do believe that, Howard. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, I can research that. Well, why couldn't, well, you know, but, but think about it. Like, why couldn't his name be Dan Stern or, you know, or, okay, well, that would be weird. Or, you know, G- Gerald Stern. But why does it, why do we, why does our luck have to be that our show, one of the most famous in Canadian history, has to be, one of us has to have the same name as the, the most famous broadcaster in our business easily. I just wanted I to know. throw that out there. Well, maybe. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it was brutal at the time. It yeah. was brutal at the time. You know, and again, remember that front, you know, you, you'd battle to get a little thing in a, in a, in a newspaper with Gary Dunford back in the time or some little tidbit of attention somewhere in the paper. And that becomes front page news worth millions <laughs> and millions of dollars of promotion. Oh, for yeah. Yeah, that famous story where our management said, "Okay, Stern's coming to town. Let's we're not going to panic." Yeah, and then they panicked. Oh boy, did they panic! Anyway, that's yeah. for uh, as you said earlier. That's for another day. Today, uh, we've got some. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting or not, but it will definitely be something. And now here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy Toronto, our subterranean facility in Brampton, and our warm and sunny studio in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two men who have after this gig is up, plan on forming a seniors home touring band with songs like Tachycardia or Arrhythmia and Catheter This, It's Humble and Fred. Uh, there you go, Dan Duran with a little foreshadowing. Welcome, everybody. Don't go away, Dan. We're not um, really getting the music. I'm not. Oh, hang on a second. You should be, but uh, let me double check. Sounds distant and warble mm-hmm. like the other day before you click something. Oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. Hang on. No, there we go. Original sound on. Uh, let me just, uh, you should be able to hear this now. That sounds yeah, okay. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There yeah, we go. Yeah, Did you hear it, man? You can. No, I, I just went ahead because I'm a professional broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, when you said that you unplugged your uh, computer, you know what that is, Fred? That's the uh, modern day equivalent of him falling off his chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Ah, uh, boys, boys, boys. <sighs> yeah. So let's get to the uh, subject at hand here. Um, well, flat out, how he had another uh, hard episode whilst traveling in uh, Mexico. Yeah. Very disturbing the other night. I mean, I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I received this email uh, outlining that. Uh, you were at the hospital and well you tell the story mm. you know it's funny um it's funny is it funny how I, no it's not funny it's, they always start stuff hey you know it's no, funny it's, funny. it's not funny <laughs> it, it's interesting you know it's unfunny sometimes. it's not funny <laughs> you know i should pull up my shirt and so everyone can see how i'm hooked up to him uh oh, a small machine titties. i want to see your titties mm-hmm. i want to see your titties 
Mm-hmm. You know, you have grandchildren. <laughs> don't, don't listen to this show. But one day they will. They'll be showing, you know, I can imagine John at, you know, somewhere in his mid 20s and he's trying to impress some, you know, young lady. And he says, Oh, yeah, my grandpa used to have a podcast. Here, let's just uh, gram- grab a, a piece randomly. And he, <laughs> he puts on today, You want to see my titties? You want to see your titties? So our buddy Darren, before I had my breast reduction surgery, he used to walk up to me and squeeze my man boobs and go, give me some milk, give me some milk. (laughs) (laughs) He is one, you know, (laughs) Darren, Darren makes me laugh. I should have sent Darren a note. I didn't tell Darren. I'm sorry that I didn't send him the update, but I I immediately forwarded that email to Darren. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Because when I was writing it, I was in the uh, ICU of a Mexican hospital, and I was... Pardon me? Our producer was rather upset, too, that you didn't... Seriously? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Well, he, you know, he's the producer of the show. He thought he might be on that list to get the heads up about what's going on. Well, I, I think I eventually forwarded it to him. I don't remember, to be honest with you, Boone. I, uh, I apologize. It was... Mm. Yeah, there was, a, you know, I basically, I sent it to I you. I believe he was hurt. <laughs> God. Um, I sent it to you two, my brothers, Lumby, trying to think, Fraser. Fraser Crane. Mm. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. So basically, you know, if you were with us three years ago, the same thing happened to me. Uh, I... Uh, was starting to feel a little bit weird when I got here. You know, during the show, I was fine. But, you know, we're here at uh, 6,200 feet, the elevation. So I was kind of feeling like a little bit of shortness of breath. And, um, you know, sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, I was playing golf with Bill. And I said, you know, I feel a little bit unsettled. That's how I could describe it. The course I'm playing is very hilly. And, you know, the first... You know, nine holes of each day, I'd felt pretty good. And by the time the back nine would come, I started to feel a little bit lightheaded. You know, I have these episodes. I don't know if you guys have ever had this. Maybe you haven't. Where, you know, you, you stand up too quickly and you get a little bit, you know, a little bit dizzy or a little bit lightheaded. But I was having yeah, like that. If you're bent over for a while doing something. Right. And stand up, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan, does that ever happen to you when you're maybe it you know doesn't oh, yeah. because no, of your because of your German sure. upbringing you're the master yeah. race that's what I was in when he gets a bone <laughs> <laughs> that's right he, he gets a boner and he passes out that everybody <laughs> well not Fred and I there's plenty after we get a boner there's still plenty of blood pumping through our system yeah. yours is a oh. hog <laughs> When we, when we get a boner, our heart barely notices. <laughs> it's just like, what? What just happened? Anyway, I think most people know what I'm talking about. That sensation of you, you know, you stand up and you get a little lightheaded. By Wednesday, I was feeling a little bit of that just sort of walking around. But it's been so long since I've had any heart, you know, symptoms or felt anything. And I've... You know, most honey peas know I had an, an operation in Phoenix, and you know, I'm, for the last almost three years, I've been fine. And then Thursday, I was definitely starting to feel it more often. 
Friday, we uh, went out for dinner and I said to Bill and Ronnie, who I'm staying next to and who were so kind to me, I said, listen, guys, you know, we're going out. Uh, I don't feel 100 percent. So if you guys, you know, or somebody I sort of made a joke, like if you're going to go dancing and shit after, I'm probably not going to join you. But I just wanted them to know that, you know, you know, I, I, I could have just not gone out, but I had a great excuse me. I had a great night. Every restaurant. Let me just pause for a second. You know, Fred, you've experienced this place. Every restaurant you go to is unique. It, it really is a, a different place. It has a very European feel. I've sent you guys some pictures. And sure enough, we went to a place. I'm not sure if you'd been there. But, you know, the owner's there and his family. And it's just, just very cool. And I felt great Friday night. Got back about 10 o'clock. And I had a cup of tea. Watched some videos here in the uh, studio where the, you know, it's just basically the dining room of this house. And then I went up to bed about 11 o'clock, 1130, fell asleep. At 630, I woke up and I could tell something was wrong. Like almost immediately, as soon as I stood up, I was kind of hit with a wave of these feelings. And I came downstairs, <clears throat> made coffee, made eggs, had, you know, like made some toast, you know, had, had like a full breakfast. But I was um, getting into that kind of feeling of like a little bit panicky because I could tell it was just wasn't going away. And I was walking around, you know, like most guys, I'm like, well, I'll just walk this off. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of laughing at myself. I'm like, OK, well, you know, maybe it'll I just kept thinking, you know, because there is a something to be said about adjusting this altitude. Um, they say it takes a couple of weeks. So I was thinking, OK, maybe I'm just having a bad bout of it. And then Charlie, my daughter, called, and she could tell. She's like, Daddy, you don't sound right. And I said, well, honey, I was trying to put on a little, you know, brave. I didn't want to panic her. I said, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit lightheaded. And she said, like you were in Phoenix. I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, it's just like that. And she said, what are you going to do? And by this time, it was about 830. And I said, well, I'm supposed to go work out with Bill, who, by the way, at 78, works out three times a week. And uh, as I said to you guys last week, you know, if you ever push into his shoulder or her bicep area, you better be prepared because it's like a rock. The guy's so strong. So he and I were going to meet at nine and go work out. <clears throat> so I go over next door and uh, he's having breakfast. He says, yeah, I'm just finishing up my breakfast. I'll be right with you. And his lady, Ronnie, said, uh, everything OK? I said, well, Billy, I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to work out this morning. I, would you mind taking me over to the hospital? <laughs> 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 wow and uh is something wrong <laughs> yeah and you know what here's the funny thing this is this part is funny i said just finish your breakfast <laughs> i did you know I'm, i didn't because i'm trying to keep the panic down in me mm -hmm. but at this point um it was pretty uh clear that something was going wrong because what i have is called t uh, it's an arrhythmia, but at the, at the time, it, it's also accompanied by this tachycardia, which is, you know, pretty serious stuff. Tachycardia going unchecked either leads to three outcomes, stroke, heart attack, or death. Because what it means is your, your heart, which normally beats in a regular rhythm, well, mine beats in a regular rhythm and then just goes on a run. So we'll go beat, beat, beat. Beep, 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 And it will keep doing that, and then it will stop. And then it starts again. But the problem is, if it keeps on going too long, 
you mm-hmm. can have all those three things happen. That's why you have to have your it has to be shocked back into rhythm. You've seen we've all seen the medical shows. So um, I uh, Bill took me to the hospital and uh, and I was admitted. I, I'll tell you, it's a you know I'm, I don't know if it's really you know it's, I don't know what you think about a, what a Mexican hospital is going to be like. You know, a few of the people I talked to were like, oh, they have, you know, imagine it is like, this is a third world country. Like yeah. the like the, a Mexican prison with a bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they would imagine <laughs> it's. Yeah. I said to Dan, I said, it's not like there's some donkey on a treadmill out back, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, some guy is also making epinadas next to your hospital bed. <laughs> and they're sweeping dirt floor. And they're yeah. sweeping a dirt floor. <laughs> But it's a very nice hospital, and I was admitted almost immediately because the kind of signs that I was displaying are the kind of things where they, you know, they don't... And, and there wasn't very many people there on a Saturday morning, and within eight minutes, I was in uh, emergency, and I was hooked up, and and uh, that's where I was for the uh, better part of a day. I didn't uh, tell anybody for a while. Uh, I didn't send that note out until Saturday evening because I didn't know what was going on, and and uh, it was uh, it was pretty crazy, dudes. Like I was told both of you, like it was it was more stressful for me than last time, because last time I was in an American hospital and I could talk to people and they could tell me what was going on with me. But uh, other than the cardiologist, who is amazing, he's quite a character. And I'll tell you about him in a minute. And the the admitting physician spoke about. Pretty good English, like 30% English. But every other person that I dealt with for 24 hours, including the people that were admitting me and wanting, wanting me to sign forms and telling me what medication they might give me and asking me to do things. I was hooked up to an EKG. They put a, uh, a line into my arm to give me um, uh, an IV drip. All of that was done in Spanish. And as I said to you both of you, you know, I speak enough Spanish to order you guys dinner and a beer and ask where the toilet is. And I know a few funny little words and I can say a few phrases, but I don't know enough to be treated medically in a foreign language. And that was probably the most stressful thing for me because I didn't want yeah, it's coming at you so quickly, too. And right? it was exactly it was coming at me really quickly, you know, um, yeah, I think the, the form the forms you're signing, are they in Spanish, too? Actually, they had a they had a form in English that was a copy of the form in Spanish, but I had to sp- sign the Spanish form. Oh, okay, which I'm not surprised because those hospitals are more or less for ex- expats, right? Oh, oh no, this one for sure was Freddie. There, yeah, you know, they have to have a certain standard there. I mean, that's part of the San Miguel um, experiences that 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 sort of comfort zone for stuff like that, right? It, it's a very modern hospital. Like, like I said, it wasn't, you know, dirt floors and, you know, a guy with a taco truck. Um, And I was, I couldn't, I honestly, I couldn't have had better, you know, care and attention. But as I said, you know, it was really stressful because I don't know what's happening to me. I know I'm having this episode again, because as soon as they hook me up, they could see immediately that what I just described to you was happening. Mm. You know, it's an EKG and you can see that my heart is beating and then it just goes on these runs. And who knows what's causing it? Um, you know, I had this surgery three years ago that was supposed to fix it, but you know, it doesn't always fix it completely and it can come back again. And so I'm going to have a bunch of tests this week 
that are going to find out, you know, did it in fact come back or is this just, you know, part of the problem that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life? So that was around nine o'clock in the morning. They put an IV drip in my arm. Everyone's speaking Spanish. It's a bit freaky to me. Um, and I said to somebody when at, at the point, and we're going to get to the chamber plan at some point in the show. But at the point, <clears throat> excuse me, that they wanted me to give them my credit card. Oh, and by the way, I'd already spoken to the people in Montreal. I spoke to Rod Johnson first. I said, okay, this is happening again. What do I do? He said, uh, you know, this is the number to call. I called that number. They got a hold of the hospital. I had a medical person call me from Canada. All this was happening during the morning. But at some point, a young person from administration or administrazione uh, came in and had a, a, a credit card machine. And she wanted my card. And I said, I said, I'm, I'm sorry to do this. And I hate to be one of those people, but I said, you've got to find somebody from, to, to speak English to me. I just, I can't do this. I can't do this transaction until I understand what's happening. And they found this woman named Melissa. This is a kid. He's around 20. I was talking to Spencer last night. I said, this kid's about your age. And her name is Melissa. And she spoke, I'd say, 50-50%. You know, good enough English to talk to me. This kid came and visited me, Freddie and Dan, at least five times in 24 hours. She kept coming everywhere I was, you know, went to, I was in emergency. Then they moved me to ICU. I was there all night. This young lady came and visited me at least five times. Could have been more because I was kind of in and out. I was kind of, you know, I got tired. I had a little nap, but this young lady came and just kept saying, first of all, she came and explained to me, yes, they did talk to the insurance company. No, I didn't have to give them a credit card, etc. So that put me at ease. But I got to tell you, she, when I was being discharged, she came to make sure I understood what the forms were. And it couldn't, like, I'm going to tell you, Freddie, you've been here. And maybe, and Dan, I don't know how much time you've spent in Mexico. But these are some of the nicest people I've, you'll ever meet. They were so kind to me and so concerned for me because I was, here's, here's how you know you're in an expat hospital. I was the only person in ICU. I had two people who's, who's, who came in at 8 p.m. and sat there from 8 p.m. till 8 a.m., just, you know, hanging out with me. So overall, it was a great experience, you know. Um, that's my opening statement. I will take questions. <laughs> well, you know, I can't imagine. I just can't because it's one, it's your heart. You know what I mean? It's not you didn't break your leg or hurt your shoulder or blah, 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 all that. You know, a mishap that can happen while you're away. I mean, your heart's a scary enough thing when you're at home. But to be in a place like that, when I say a place like that, you could be in a lot worse places. Um, to have your old ticker acting up, it's got to be really, really unsettling. Like, again, I, I, I can't imagine what that is like. Well, Scary. think about it. It's unsettling enough, as you described, but it's unsettling on top of that. You know, I don't know what anyone's saying. Well, I told you that story. Remember when I was up here, when I had the two women talking about my uh, heart ultrasound while well, they're doing it, they're pointing at the screen and, you know, talking aloud. And, you know, I, I found that and it was here in Brampton. I didn't like it. I thought it was unfair and, yeah, disturbing. So to have that going on when it's your heart and there's something wrong, you're in a foreign country, you can't understand what's going on. 
that would be enough to give you a heart attack. Jesus. Yeah, and and and, and like I so, you know, it's a Saturday in San Miguel, and the um, the attending physician, the guy that admitted me, he admitted me. He just listened to my heart. Like I was in his office when I first got there and I thought, oh, I wonder what he's going to say. Like, oh, it's really nothing. I was hoping because I wanted to go golfing and uh, you could just see on his face that he was listening to my heart and listening to my chest and I uh, undid his uh, stethoscope and said, we got to get you to a bed. I'm like, oh, God, because he could hear it even in a stethoscope. He could hear the, the heart beating out of out of rhythm. So um, he says, we're going to call a, a cardiologist who is my new buddy. And the, uh, you're going to love this. The cardiologist's name is Dr. Jorge Alvarez de la Catena. And uh, this guy is a character, man. I don't know what you think a, a cardiologist looks like in Canada. <laughs> this dude, he comes in, he's got these kind of like balloon pants he's wearing crocs underneath his uh, lab coat he's got some kind of cool little mexican tunicky thing he's just how old, a, how old would this guy be? i don't know 45 48 maybe 50 but just a dude right and uh and i thought well you know in canada you might not see the cardiologist for a couple of days within a couple hours he's there hanging out with me uh right away sees what's going on by the time he came I don't know, because of the medication, whatever, I had, my heart had calmed right down. Oh, so you didn't get the big shock to, to no. things back and oh. No, I, I um, because I, it, wasn't, it wasn't running out of control. It was just, so imagine every, whatever number of beats, it would go on a four or five, you know, um, run. It would go on a run of, you know, it would do that for four or five beats and then it would calm down. And uh, he admitted me. I was just in emergency until about three in the afternoon. And then he said, no, we're going to need to keep you here. And then I stayed overnight. And that's when I wrote you guys the note. Now, at this point, we should uh, pause this story. And we're going to bring in uh, our boy from France. And um, let's do a little business here because we're going to get too backed up if we don't. Um, So let's just pause uh, at the point where I'm now having to stay overnight in a Mexican hospital, and I'll tell you how what the food was like. Should I uh, do Chambers' plan now, or hold that for a uh, you know a super spectacular? <laughs> why don't you uh, a super spectacular presentation of the well, Chambers' plan? Yeah, why don't you let me do the Chamber plan today? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'll talk about Tim Niblett, who's had his um, you know he's had some heart issues himself. I've been uh, corresponding with Tim the last couple of days. Well, I was going to say, there's a shoulder to lean on, isn't mm-hmm. it, with uh, Timmy Niblett? He's got things under control. You know, in the end, everything will be all right. And that's what Tim says about the markets, does he not? He says, guys, it's up and down, but, you know, over the long run, everything will be all right. Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, licensed on both sides of the border. Not only can he consult you on financial stuff, if you're having heart problems, he's got a word or two to say about that as well. He's Tim Niblett. If you want to get uh, in touch with Tim, retirementsherpa.ca. And uh, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Kelsey's and our good friend Dan DeRue. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know 
you know, you're a man of a certain age and you can't always remember what you ate, but uh, let's just talk quickly. Oh, I remember. Oh, do you? Well, because we were asking you, when you told us before the show, you said that you and Lisa, Dan's lady friend, uh, had gone to Kelsey's. We were all excited. First question, Fred says, where's the pictures? (laughs) Well, the pictures are around. I haven't uh, forwarded them to you yet, because that was only a couple of days ago. You know, that's true, you know. Uh, He's he's got bad internet there. Well, no, he's got with his, his... you know what you ate, but you don't know the character that you play. In- <laughs> okay, okay. L- Lumby, I'm going to need you to turn your mic up a little bit. I thought I'd never say that. Um, but I'll tell you, Dan, you know, with this, the Dan's got an old camera where you take a picture and then you have to take it to a uh, photo map. <laughs> <laughs> and then you send it. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, we're, we're talking about Kelsey's, and it's a Tuesday, which means they are winging it. They've been doing that since 1978. Try their legendary wings, half price every Thursday, sauced and styled how you like it. And why not wash it down with a $6, $6, by the way, Coors Light 16-ounce draft. What are you waiting for, buds? Grab your friends, head to Kelsey's this wing night and celebrate the start of the weekend uh, the right way. Offer valid with the purchase of a beverage must be legal drinking age. Please drink responsibly. Dan Duran, tell us about your Kelsey's experience. Well, we arrived and we ordered our uh, the famous four cheese spinach dip. And because uh, Lisa is a big fan of anything green, so that was part of it. And uh, we had some baked pita slices, and then we just went to town on that while we waited for our, uh, our uh, main mains to arrive, the Thai chicken curry bowl, which is super delicious. Nice. I, she, she put me in uh, some on my plate and said, oh, maybe I should have ordered that. But what I had was the uh, steak and cheese stack, which uh, what attracted me was the uh, Cajun seasoned sirloin steak in it. The, the Cajun seasoning was what I went for there. And it was in all in all, it was a great night. We had a, a great start to our date night and uh, went off to a play after that. And uh, Noah, our server there at, at Kelsey's in Peterborough, was awesome. He was there whenever we needed him and, uh, you know, friendly guy. Yeah. They're having a good good night and uh, he's enjoying working there. Too. They really are a great group there. Freddie and I, didn't we have that spinach dip when we went over to Kelsey's before I left? Oh, yes, we did. It was delicious. It, it really was. It's a great uh, way to start your experience. It really is. Yeah, we recommend it highly. And uh, for uh, more information, go to kelseys.ca for more details. Thank uh Thank you, Dan Duran, for that uh, personal testimonial. Yeah. Dan said him and Lisa went off to a play. He he was telling me the other day it was a farce, and he doesn't like farces. Um, we should talk about that. What's he doing? Yeah. What's he doing working with us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what constitutes a farce, and why do you not like them? Well, yeah, well uh, no, wait a second. You 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 called it that the end of the Argos game was a farce. <laughs> yes, no, I know. That's why I said to Dan, Dan, you'll like this. It was it was a farce. farce. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm catching up. Um, If you're uh, just watching us on Facebook, um, welcome to our program. Marcel Marceau is here, everybody. (laughs) Don't. Hey, I have a week. I'm I'm in a weakened state. Don't uh... shut it. You know what? Okay, let's just let's just go through this. Is my mic loud enough for you there, Grandpa? Because I it's it's the same as it's always been. I don't know what. I don't know why. First of all, I don't know why this aggressive uh, nature, because, you know, when here's the funny thing. When you talk to me, when it's wait a second, when it's just you and I, you have a whole softer side. When you do your little performance, it's a completely you you started it with the Marcel Marceau. So look, here's the thing. Don't go on vacation. This is the, no, no. 
Listen, listen, I'm just let's let's just go through the highlights over the last few years. And then and then you tell me if I'm wrong. OK, a few years ago, you go down there with uh, with Rachel to Arizona. I see you doctor uh, operation, uh, you know, fiasco near death. <laughs> yes. You come to here three weeks ago and you bring covid into our. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you? Um, <laughs> And then you trip on off to, to Mexico. And again, it's it's I see. So here's the thing. When you book your next trip, also book a surgeon, book the local <laughs> ICU, book an ambulance, book some saline solution. Yeah, in yeah. Your okay, hang on. I got to get my heart diary and, and put here uh, is 645. Lumbee yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, supposed, hell, I'm supposed to write down in case there's anything unusual. I'm going to go uh, seven eighteen. Best friend yells constantly. <laughs> and watch your terminology. These are not vacations. These are research. Yeah. Expeditions. Thank you, Fred. These are oh, exactly. Okay. These aren't va- Jeff. I'm not here on vacation. Uh, well, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if you heard me saying like one of the most. Uh, Stressful things for me is that, you know, I, I speak about, well, I don't speak anywhere near as much Spanish as you, as you do French, but I speak more Spanish than I do French. And as I said, I, I can speak enough Spanish. I went out for dinner last night with Bill and Ronnie, and the woman who ran this little restaurant asked me how I knew Spanish, and, you know, because I could speak enough to tell, you know, to order and stuff. But at some point, there was somebody asking me in the ICU, and I wasn't sure if they were asking me if I wanted a beer or another, uh, you know, to be hooked up to another machine, I just don't know what they were saying. And I had my phone with me and I was doing Google Translate. Like even that was stressful because they would say something and I'd say, just hang on a second. And I would have them point to what it was they were trying to tell me. And um, but I can tell you, I don't know if you heard me saying, Jeff, like this was a great these are a great bunch of people. And Dr. Jorge Alvarez and I are buddies now. And uh, I was surprised when he came. Here, here's a, a thing that I, I don't think I told any of you guys. So, you know, in Canada and the States, you know, a, a, a specialist is, you know, someone rare. You don't see them very often. So not only did I see him in the afternoon, the day I got there, but he said, I'm going to come back tomorrow morning and, and we'll check on your condition and we'll decide if we need to have you go do some further testing. And I wake up around... You know, seven, I talked to Jeff. Uh, Jeff and I had a little phone call. And then I was thinking, you know, I probably won't see this guy until like late in the day. 9.30, this guy shows up. And again, he's in his baggy pants. And he's got, he's quite a character. And he comes in and he says, uh, I can see you're doing better. I said, and I said, well, how do you know that, Dr. Jorge? You just got here. He said, I came here in the middle of the night to check on you. Wow. I said, what? He said, yeah, I came. I was on my way home and I, I thought I'd come and see how you were doing. And he said, I watched you. I watched your monitor for about 10 minutes to make sure you were all right. And I was like, wow, like that was really something uncommon. And it kind of kind of goes to the kind of people they are. They're just very he was very nice and he wanted to make sure I was I was really probably his only patient there. That's got to be one of the most used phrases in Ontario right now. I can't see the specialist till. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Takes months to see specialists. Oh, anything elective. Like I, yeah. when even when I was living there, which is almost it was over two years ago now, the 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 waiting time to find to go to uh, an appointment for a allergy specialist was eighteen months. 
And the reason I know that is because I went for a psoriasis uh, to see this guy, and that was 13 months. Mm-hmm. And, and and the girl said, well, you're, you're lucky you're not applying to go see an allergist because that's 18 months. It, that's just unheard of down here. I mean, as I, I've noted on a couple of the podcasts, the the system here in France is 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 yes, there's a a, a government side of it, but but there's also a, a copay, and I really strongly believe in copays, not to the extent of the United States, but here it really uh, it, it it takes the the abuse out of the system let's just say that when it's just a single payer system there's rampant abuse and what happens is you get these insane waiting lines okay so here you know here i went to uh an appointment for um uh, an x-ray on my thumb i think i was telling you this howard it's on the podcast as well arrived at 9:53 for a 10 o'clock appointment was being x-rayed at 9:57 uh, I was seeing the doctor at 10.01, and by 10.07, I'm walking out with my imagery of the hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's insane. So, there there is an advantage to an insurance-based copay system. Now, and, and I agree, but, here's the big but. The big but. Um, I, I gotta give props, you know, that's what the kids say. So, yesterday morning, I spent, we didn't do the show yesterday morning, that's what people are that's this is why we weren't doing the show so my entire morning was i was calling the chamber plan i was calling the med there's there's two people you deal with when you're this is i guess for a lot of people who are our age should this ever happen to you and you have the chamber plan the first person you're going to talk to is somebody in montreal at the insurer the next people that call you are an actual, either a doctor or a nurse from Canada that is now in charge of your file. And those people are talking to the hospital or the doctor that you're seeing, wherever you are in the world. So that's a little beginning of the plug for the chamber plan. Because so right away, I have somebody that has my file that's talking to the hospital, etc. So my morning yesterday was to talk to them. And when we talk about how the chamber plan works a little bit later, one of the things I needed to know from them was, you know, am I still insured? Should I stay here for the rest of my trip? And we'll, we'll discuss that later. The other thing I did is I wrote this long note, not as long as the one I wrote to you guys, but I wrote a note to both my cardiologist in Toronto And then I've been dealing with a guy who is an electrophysiologist. He's like a super specialist. You're not going to see him for years. But I had somehow made a contact or an impression with him during COVID because we'd gone back and forth a few times. His name is Dr. Manjit. And the other guy I deal with is a guy named Dr. Logsetti. And I wrote a note to both of them just saying, hey, this has happened. I I included the name of the cardiologist here. And I said... If you guys had a second, could you just maybe let me know what you think I should do? Or at the very least, could you reach out to this guy and just get an update on my... I I didn't think it was going to happen. And this is the best part of this story. Both of these fucking guys called me yesterday morning. I was blown away. The the electro... I I look at my email and I immediately get a note from the electrophysiologist. Here's Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm saying. I said, I'm a bit confused. I said, I know you're slammed. Would you give me a call? calls me the next second. I had about a five minute conversation with him. And then a few minutes later, the cardiologist who, when you go to these clinics, it's just wall to wall people. He must've spent 15 minutes on the phone with me. 
And I kept saying, listen, I know you're busy. He goes, oh, no, no, let's just go through this. And he told me what he thought it was, you know, what we were going to do. And he told me what he thinks I should do down here. He, he reminded me, he said, listen, man, he said about a year and a half ago, you and I had this conversation about being on beta blockers, which is what I'm on now. He said, I told you, you probably would need to be on them and you didn't want to do it because I... I'm like you, Freddie. I don't, you know, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my fucking life, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of resigned now that that's sort of what I'm going to be on for the, at least the foreseeable future. Because what it did is it took that episode that I had or was having, and I'm completely fine. It's been, what day is it? So since Sunday, Sunday so in three days now, I've had no, none of those episodes. Mm-hmm. But this doctor from Toronto, again, I'm not... Your argu- your um, hypothesis is, is right. But I, you know what it's like with human beings? You never know who you make an impression on. And uh, I was so blown away that these guys called me yesterday. And that was so, and it gave me such comfort, you know. And, and they kind of, I told them what this doctor here in Mexico wants me to do. And I'm going to have to have a, another series of tests. But both of them assured me that I'm probably fine. You know what I mean? They, they, like they said, listen, Howard, we're not going to tell you from Toronto that you're cured, but given what you've told me and what we know of your condition, yeah, you're doing the right thing. Take the medication. And I said, do you think I should stay here? And they said, yeah, we see no reason why you wouldn't. So how great was that? Wow. I know. So, so what is sort of the long, short-term prognosis for you uh, there? Uh, I've got a monitor on me right now. They're going to take it off today. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to go to a different city and have a couple of, uh, pretty standard heart tests. One's a stress test. They put you on that treadmill and they check that your heart, uh, chambers are all working and I'm going to have an echocardiogram and then I'm, I'm mostly leaning towards staying here. What's the prognosis on you being able to golf, uh, in the near future? That's a great question. I would have been, I would have already been golfing, but uh, they all kind of said maybe you should take it easy for a couple of days because I, you know, I went for a walk yesterday around the complex here and I, you know, I, I felt okay, but I definitely felt like I wasn't myself and I don't know. Well, if, plus, plus you shot 79 twice. twice. So you may want to just dial it back. Dial it back. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what caused it because I haven't shot 79 back to back for a long time. I was like, maybe that's what triggered this depression. No, I, I to be ser- to be to be serious. Like I walked around yesterday and I was like, I, you know, whatever this medicine does. And I've done some research and a lot of people listening probably know somebody on beta blockers. But what it does is it depresses your system so that your heart beats more normally. But it also makes you feel a little bit. I don't know, like lower energy, you know, as you can tell, lethargic a little bit. Um, You know, I laid down and had a nap like a heart, like one of those naps. We're all ex morning guys. It was the kind of nap where I thought I thought it was nighttime. I thought it was like, you know, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon, but I was convinced it was like middle of the night. That kind of nap. Hmm. Anyway, that's pretty much it. I think I've covered everything. So there you go. Oh, so the hospital you're going to, you're going to uh, in, in two days? In another uh, city? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Have yeah. you research golf courses around there? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because I'm only going to be there for the afternoon that I'm coming back here. So when you were at that, I know the course you play there near Billy. 
Um, you said it was hilly. Do you not? Did you walk that course or did you? Yeah, you were I, I was walking. Most of the old guys ride while the caddies walk, but I just like, you know, kind of walking along, you know, next to Ramon, the caddy. And, and uh, yeah, I started to definitely feel um, on some of those hills that I was getting a little short of breath, which is kind of weird because, you know, I'm like, even now I'm a little bit short of breath. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Yeah. That's got to be unsettling. Yeah. At the best of time, even at home, but being away and yeah, it's, uh, and you know, that can make you actually react in such a way that isn't actually the problem. It's just <laughs> because you're worried about the problem. Oh yeah. You know, it's affecting your breathing in other ways and psychologically and all those things. Yeah. And as I said, I'm, you know, I'm here with two very sweet people, but they, you know, they have their own lives and they live next door and I'm by myself and I don't speak. They didn't sign up for that. The they guy didn't... comes and moves next door. <laughs> no, I know. Now he's an invalid. <laughs> hey, and I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get your contact list because I've signed up. I'm going to be there all of March the whole month. So I'll get your contact list. And in case, you know, if I, you know, come close to cacking, I'll, uh, well, yeah, Howard's got everybody on speed dial. So just put it over there. <laughs> That's right. I have the entire medical Mexican medical community are now my amigos. I, I, it's funny, though, like when and Jeff, you can attest to this when you're in an environment where, you know, you might want to learn a second language and you go to classes and you're Toronto, but you walk out and everyone around you speaks your language. But when you're in an environment where yeah. they're not fucking, they're not pretending not to speak English. When you where you live, they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, yeah, and and I mean, for me, the biggest frustration is Julie. I really want to yell at that guy, but I can't because I don't speak the language. I don't know the word for you, fucking asshole. But uh, you know that that you know even going back to the hospital yesterday. You know, I, I you go to the hospital and I saw some of the same people and they're all happy to see me. They're all saying things to me in Spanish. I only, I only know every second or third word. And, you know, I'm in in the hospital when, you know, I talked to you yesterday, Jeff, you can all hear me saying, you know, hasta luego, Grecia. You know, I mean, I, I know enough of that to be, you know, polite, but I don't know enough to have, you know, heart problems in a foreign country. No, exactly. And I mean, one of the advantages that I have here is Julie, obviously. Right. So if we go to a specialist, she'll come along with. But, you know, I mean, I'm trying to learn this down. I mean, this language, you have no idea how difficult this language is. It's it's harder than Spanish, too. Oh, way harder. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, honestly, there, there are times when I look at some of the rules that they have with French and I go, did you guys just do this to make it harder? Because you've succeeded. Yeah, you've succeeded in make, making this an absolute impossible language to learn. Well, I told you when I was there visiting you, the reason that my Spanish is better is because for English-speaking people, saying Spanish words, there's not the same nuance as French. You know. Well, one, 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 sorry, Howard. One of the things is there are no silent letters in Spanish. So that's something to understand right away. What you see, you pronounce in Spanish. To a degree. Like L's are not L's. They're not like it's not Alenda. It's, a, 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 you know, it's San Miguel de Allende. But there's, it's, no, no, it's, it's not as nuanced as French. Yeah, but there are no like French is full of and English are both full of silent letters where like H's and G's and yeah. Yeah. The I's and yeah, I know. Yeah, and, you know, and I'll just finish this off because I got to we got to get to uh, some actual show here before we uh but um, so I'm, I'm speaking to Spencer last night, you know, 25 year old, soon to be 25 year old, young millennial. 
and uh, my kids have been great, and and all my friends have been great, and you guys have been great, you know, checking in with me, and it really made a difference because honestly, I was like, I would tell you that there were moments on Saturday I was fucking bummed. I was so bummed out because I had this whole plan for the winter, and I'm thinking because my thought that Saturday before I saw the specialist is I just started thinking, okay. You know, I'm going to have to get Eve, you know, they call it repatriation. I'm going to have to get, someone's going to have to fly here because I didn't want to have this operation that I had in Phoenix. I didn't want to have it in Mexico. So I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to get all my stuff packed and I'm going to have to go to Mexico City and fly back to Toronto and I'm going to have to have surgery. And I was bummed out and, you know, and and then, you know, the diagnosis got better and better as the day wore on. But, uh, you know, there was a few moments there and that's why I didn't send the note till later in the day because I really kind of wanted to know what was going on. So fast forward to last night, and I was describing to Spencer how difficult it is to be here having this situation because I don't speak the language. And they made a really interesting point, and I, th- I thought I'd just throw it out to you guys. What Spencer said is, can you imagine what you're going through is what a lot of immigrants go through, like you, in a foreign country where... They just want to go to the pharmacy and get their medication that they normally get, but because they don't speak enough of the language. And if they don't have one of their kids or somebody with them like Julie or, you know, it's it's um, unsettling. And I said to her, uh, Spenny, I said, you know, it's really interesting because I've had a little bit of that. Um, it's one thing to go to a, a resort in a foreign country and you try and order your cerveza. But think about going to um you know, having an actual emergency and not saying any of the words that you need to say to let your, because I would say things to my, the, the staff at that hospital. They had no idea what I was saying. They would have yeah. to go get somebody and come back. And, but I'm just saying it was an interesting perspective that, you know, I, again, I know it's only been a couple of days here, but I've had a kind of a, you get a sort of a taste of what it's like when people come to Canada that don't speak our language. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, the stress of that. Like when I was at San Miguel last time, I'd go into Le Comar, the uh, grocery store, and it was actually fun with Siri or whatever I used at the time. I'd actually get the guy behind the counter, the yeah. meat counter, speak into it, and then I could see it. It was like almost fun, a game. Um, but that obviously does not carry the stress. Yeah, of- imagine me going, Siri, am I going yeah. to die? <laughs> it's not a hospital yeah. game. No, exactly. <laughs> Because yeah. you're not thinking clearly and you're not, oh, anyway. But, you know, Jeff, when Spencer said that to me, I thought of you when you first went there. You think about what Lumby went through. He buys this house. The pandemic hits. Julie's not there. You had your buddy who's, you know, uh, the Scottish guy, uh, Ian. But a lot of the people you're dealing with in a day are all speaking of a language that you're not, you know, 100% comfortable in. Yeah, no, it, it was difficult. I didn't use the translate that often. Uh, I was able to, you know... Uh, manufacture whatever I needed to, but, uh, and now it's, it's getting better and better. I'm able to kind of do a lot more on my own, but no, I, that's a great point that Spenny makes because it's exactly what you, you first go through when you move to a country and, and Paris is different than here because this is, this is unilingual Francais, uh, EC, Uh, but, uh, but Paris is, is, is quite well, in Paris, they speak German, they speak, uh, you know, Hollandais, they speak all kind of languages there because it's a, it's a you know, it's, it's a, a huge tourist. Hey, Jeff, and, yeah. before I came to visit you, we spent four days in Paris. Everyone spoke English to me, even yes, when I wanted to speak French. Yeah. And they would look at me, kind of smile and go, that's cute. 
That's cute, little That's man. That's cute, but we'll just go with English today. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Why don't, why don't you practice your French at home? We'll just go with, uh, yeah. you're going to have the steak fritz, yeah. and let's be done with yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, sort of TikTok time over here at the <laughs> restaurant. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've got other tables to serve. Why don't you practice uh, at uh, at the Institute Le Longuet on your own? Um, all right, Jeff and Julie moved to France in a global pandemic. Lumby, was great talking to you today and yeah, yesterday. I appreciate back, it. Pal. Glad you're well, back. we'll see. Uh, hasta luego, mi hermano. That means my brother in Spanish. Uh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, Take care. All right, guys. Cheers, man. Lumbia. I was, was going to say for the transition music, you should have played Baby, Baby, Can't You Hear My Heartbeat by Herman's Hermit. Oh, shit, man. Hey, come on now. I wasn't thinking clearly because I was having a heart-to-heart with my boy. Monsieur Marceau. All right, just go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to okay. go. Bye. Um, uh, let's get a little work done here, guys. Uh, we've got uh, Fred. Uh, you still have uh, Bodog, I believe, to talk about. Yeah, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. What's today? Tuesday? Oh, lots of World Cup wagering. Hey, Canada and Belgium tomorrow. What's the line on that? I'll tell you tomorrow. And, you know, where would you want to put your money? Yeah, the World Cup, lots of wagering. Go to Bodog. Yeah, the um, I, I'm a little behind. Is that our first game or no? Yes, it will be our first game. And it's uh, in Qatar? Is that where it's being played yes where <laughs> guitar where i learned yesterday homosexuality is against the law and punishable by time in prison hmm. why would they why would you take the world cup to a country like that yeah i've heard a lot of stuff like that like why would you take the world cup to a country where it's like isn't it like 35 or 40 every day yeah but can you imagine oh yeah that's a good idea let's go there where it's yeah. against the law yeah like, and, I, and and hey, Fred, why is it against the law? Oh, um, because of religion? Yes. Yeah. That's uh, religion once again, you know, 10 for 10 and, you know, making the world a better place. Although there is an old joke, and it's not my joke, so I apologize in advance, but, you know, what's the, 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 the if homosexuality is punishable by time in prison? That's not very much punishment. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. I was reading a thing yesterday about the the circle of chasing your tail when it comes to woke and political correctness. You know, you want to call them out on these laws about homosexualities, but when you do, are you being Islamophobic? <laughs> you know, like. Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is a bit of a. But I mean, yeah, it's like calling into question somebody's religious beliefs, but it's not. Anyway, I don't want to get into it because I don't have the... No, energy. I know. It's been, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just spinning around and around. Uh, I do want to talk about the EV uh, driving experience, and um, this will tie in nicely. Uh, I got a note from Rudra Rishi Maharaj, and he's a, a big advocate for, you know, the EV world. He's got himself... I, I can't remember. I think, it's, I think he's driving a Tesla, but it's an, an electric vehicle. And he sent me a note because I've been talking about... Oh, I don't know where it is, Rudy. Rudra, I can't. I Do you have the note? Yes. Just about, you know, talking about charging at 
Right. Type of thing where you don't let your car like get low on charge and then charge it up. I mean, you get into the habit of whenever you park it, you plug it in, so you're always operating at a full charge. Because some of the misconceptions about you know electric vehicles, oh, I'm going to run out of uh, juice, or which is ridiculous because there's no need for that. You just get into the habit of plugging your car in when you're not using it. Right. Yeah, he was uh, trying to because I was sort of saying that. I can't remember, but he, he he's basically talking about electric vehicles as a paradigm shift. It, it really isn't one thing. It's a bunch of things. But at, uh, at evnet.ca, I'm telling you, they're making EVs easy and affordable. And they do it by educating clients about how economical EVs are and how, how they have proven to be over time, all the while operating as a used EV dealership. And as I mentioned a few times, it's tough to uh, even take a test drive. In an EV because, you know, a lot of dealerships don't have them. But you can test drive a Bolt, a Kona, which you're driving around, an Outlander, a Nissan Leaf, and even a Tesla Model 3. You can rent it before you buy it. You can rent it just for the fun of seeing what driving an EV is all about. You know, one of the things I really noticed both in the Kona and in the Tesla is just what the pickup is on these cars. Like it, it really, and we've talked about it. I'm not, not that that's a huge feature for a lot of people, but I'll tell you what, man. There, it's not like you're going from, you know, when I first heard about these cars, I thought, well, they're probably, you know, drive like a golf cart. <laughs> you, know, they, you know what I mean? Like, I just thought they were just wouldn't go that way. But they, they've got some pep. Uh, go to rentelectric.ca or evnet.ca slash rent. Another bonus, another upside, when this cold weather hit, heat, uh, hits, the car warms up the heater inside way faster than a combustible engine as you have to wait for, you know, your coolant to heat up. It's almost instant with the electric cars. Love that aspect. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, with the uh, Tesla, you know, this, this nonsense with Elon Musk aside, because I'm sort of torn because he's turning into a sort of this strange character on social media but with the tesla and i'm sure with other evs as well you know you program a lot of stuff on your phone so if you're going to go drive you can actually set the climate in your car before you get in it and as you say freddie it 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 happens almost instantaneously because you're not waiting for the the engine to get warm um okay so that's pretty much it for uh mexico for now i think i uh like I can just say, it was as great an experience as you can have, you know, getting sick in a Mexican hospital. And I think I'll make a decision on Wednesday or Thursday about whether I'm staying here. But um, I've done the best I can. I've talked to everyone that I could talk to about my options. And, you know, as long as I feel like I feel now, which is fine, you know, I'll, I'll stay here. Yeah, big decision, mm-hmm. you know. I can't, you know, I could sit here and go, ah, oh, come on, just stay. I know I'm not going there because it's your heart and it's your health. And, you know, you can't fully appreciate it until it's going on in your body. So do what and you, you don't want to be liable. Huh? Well, I did find and you that, don't want to be liable. But I'll tell you what, that's a great thank you for that segue. As I mentioned, I talked to the people, the chamber plan yesterday because I was worried about that. I thought, oh, OK, once you've had an incident, are you then? Not insured. Here's another great reason to use the chamber plan. At my age, I've got 180 days of travel insurance. Over 65, you have 90 days. So my worry yesterday morning was, okay, I've had an incident now. Am I still covered? The answer, 
a resounding yes. I'm covered until May of 2023. Because you think about it, you know, if you broke your arm, you'd have to go to the hospital, you get it fixed, and you stay on vacation. Three or four weeks later, you break your ankle. Maybe you're clumsy. I don't know. I don't know. Why. I don't know why you keep breaking shit. But they'll still cover you. It's not like you can only get one treatment and then you have to hightail it back to Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when I was in uh, Playa del Carmen there a couple of years ago, there's a lot of big potholes. Like the sidewalks have big gaping holes in them. And I used to think, oh, man, what if I'm walking along here and I'm not watching myself? I go into one of those and break my femur or something. Mm -hmm. The situation that would be. New Orleans was the same thing. You have to sort of be on alert all the time because that's what's going through my head. Oh, can you imagine breaking a bone here and having to go to the hospital? No matter where it is, when it's not home, it's got to be weird. And, uh, yeah, that. and again, why you need the coverage when you're in those places. And I shouldn't say I was was surprised, because that wouldn't be fair. But I was pleasantly assured when I spoke to, and, you know, I've worked with you long enough to to know that I said to the, I'm speaking to, you know, here's how cool it was. I'm speaking to this woman in Montreal, and she's the medical person. And I was asking her these questions. And she said, you know, Mr. Glassman, I think you're fine, but hang on a second. I'm going to get my colleague. And I thought, oh, go here we go. I'm going to be on hold for... Three seconds later, someone comes on the phone and uh, assures me that I'm covered. And I said to her, okay, I appreciate that, but I'm going to need an email from you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need something from you that says, we've spoken, you're covered, have a nice day. And now 10 minutes later, there it is. So if you've, if you've, I've heard us talk about the chamber plan now for some time. But I've obviously, I can't recommend it enough because I've now had two occasions in the last three years whilst traveling that I've had to use it. And, you know, right from the first call I make is to Rod Johnson, our agent, and he, because I want to make sure I've got the right numbers. And um, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, like I said, I once the people in Montreal made contact with the hospital, I never had to worry about it again. I was discharged yesterday morning. I didn't see any bill. I never had to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. I am curious, though, what it costs, because I know what it cost me in Phoenix. And it cost me in Phoenix an average of 30000 Canadian dollars a day. Yeah, I don't think it's any. No, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it will not be. Yeah, it just shows you the systems and uh, the attitudes and the... And how prices are inflated when insurances are involved. Uh, you don't get that in Mexico. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason. Hey, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Dan's back at the uh, sketchway there taking care of the boys. Stan and uh, Clifford. Dan's been telling me that Stan and Clifford are becoming like like buddies and they play together all day. And I was happy to hear that. For a couple of old dogs. It's, uh, I mean, Clifford is 13 now. Yeah, but, Stan, uh, Stan's going to be Stan 11 in March. The, uh, <laughs> Stan brought out the puppy in, uh, in him uh, a couple days ago. They were racing around the house, uh, pulling at the rope thing and oh, yeah. know, doing dog things. Yeah. Well, that's every great. So often, every so often, Clifford just goes, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he does. I noticed up north with the other dogs, he's like that. He'll play, and then it's like, okay, enough. 
I make the rules here. Go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I sent that picture, that picture of Stan and Clifford. I showed it to Bill's uh, lady, Ronnie, and, and she sent it to all her friends who love dogs, including the place I'm going tonight. I'm going to go to visit a friend of theirs who used to write for The Tonight Show. She wrote for Laverne and Shirley. She wrote for a bunch of... She wrote for Newhart. And uh, I will have stories tomorrow of uh, meeting... I met her the other night. She was happened to be at this restaurant we were at. I, we went over and said hello. And anyway, we're having dinner with her tonight. And she has Great Danes. She has about two Great Danes and a few other little dogs that she's rescued. So, you know, I'll have my fill of dogs. Dan, are you ready to do some news? I didn't even ask if you were going to... Do the news and things like that. Well, I got a story that we could talk about, yeah. All right, Does well. Does Doc Severinsen's uh, wife, does she live there full-time? Is that the yeah, deal? Yeah, this is where she lives, yeah. Weren't you supposed to go on some kind of a date, too? Maybe that got your ticker all <laughs> well, <laughs> that day, they were gonna yeah, if, They're going to set you up with a woman, and it never happened. Maybe that anticipation yeah, set you off. The, the blood rushing away from my heart to yes. my wiener for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was very upsetting. Uh, in the meantime... Oh, here's to a- oh, hang on. Sorry, Dan. Yes, mouse, mouse, uh, mouse music, yeah. mouse, music, mouse, mouse, mouse. mouse. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from uh, the studio on the Queensway With news and views, here's Dan Duran With all the talk about the Great Cup You may have missed the coverage of Bill 39 At a time when the world is talking about democracy, last week the Ford government comes up with a surprise legislation that lowered the bar for the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa to get measures passed at city council. It says if the mayor is of the opinion a bylaw would advance a priority set out by the province, it can be passed if more than one third of the members of council vote in favor. So instead of needing a majority, John Tory, for example, will have to secure the votes of just eight other members on the 26-seat council to get certain measures approved. The mayor of Ottawa, by the way, said that uh, they will not be using that bylaw there. Oh, you mean, oh, a law to actually get some stuff done? Oh, yeah, they can't have that. Yeah, get rid of that. Can't have that. Um, You know, because that's... <laughs> Well, that's the problem. Most of the stuff gets bogged down because of that. Then, you know, politics becomes part of it. Um, John Tory, I believe, is going to be on the show soon. So we'll ask him what he thinks about it, um, that situation. I think he's in favor of it, actually. Well, he did say he would use it uh, in a limited way, very limited, if uh, I guess. Apparently, what the Ford government is saying is, uh, is that this has to do with housing. Mm-hmm. But the mayor of Ottawa said, well, the, they're going to work it out without that. I, didn't, I don't know if I agree with you, Fred, even if it does freeze things up. Uh, that means that the, the I mean, there's already powers that the mayor got uh, a veto power of some sort recently uh, during the summer. But this adds to that. I don't know, but but the whole idea of democracy, democracy, if you voted somebody in as a member of council and they go in and now majority doesn't rule anymore. Um, uh, Whole governments in this province are elected with majorities with 33, 35 percent of the electorate. So 
There goes that argument. Well, no, that doesn't. No, I mean, yes, people that chose not to vote, I guess. No. Uh, but the majority, but it's not. It's not the same thing. You're saying that. Yeah, thirty five percent of the popular vote in Canada and have a majority. Like it's yeah. It's so. I mean, that's sort so of. So Dan, what's your problem with it? That it's not enough representation. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That the people in uh, Toronto are represented by their, you know, their uh, councillors, and then the, whatever the councillors decide to to vote for or against doesn't come through because only eight councillors are needed to to pass something. One third. That's mm-hmm. not democracy, is it? Well, yeah, if that's the rules, if they decide that's the rules, sure. And people yeah. vote and vote to accept that as the new standard. Yeah, that's democracy. And it'll move things along maybe at some oh, point. Oh, so you're saying because uh, people voted the Ford government in and the Ford government comes in with something that is not very democratic. But if it uh, if it's passed by them because people voted for it, then it must be democracy. Well, I, I don't know what to say other than, you know, we have to get things done. So... I don't think he's pulling this out of his ass because he just hates people or he thinks he's going to. I think that's what Dan thinks, that he came out of his asshole. He shit it into a bowl and he said, here. (laughs) And again, we don't have time here. I can go tick-tock, tick-tock with things that Trudeau's done where you'd raise your eyebrow too. But some reason that flies under the radar. It's so political. It's again, it's the big bad conservative man. Whatever he says, let's attack him and let the flake, you know, do what he wants. But anyway... We can have that conversation. Well, I, okay, yeah. I mean, no, I, 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 listen, I'm fascinated by it because I, I was doing something else at the beginning of your story, so I'm just catching up now. I'm like, what? What is he talking about? Eight people did what? <laughs> um, no, but I can, as always, because I'm very measured, I can see both sides. You're right, Dan. Eight people doesn't seem to be a majority, but as Fred said, if that is now the rule in this particular case that speed up legislation, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, you know, as you say, you know, we got to get shit done. And and we are it's not that it's new that we have smaller people representing larger groups. You look at Toronto. I mean, it's so po- you talk about polarization, the left and right in Toronto. There are, you know, left leaning people that just go against anything the right side of council wants and on and on and on. And that's why the city like is so far behind with so many things stalemate all the time dan that's why this city has literally the worst subway system for a city our size on planet earth because for 50 years you know it's all been politicized to the point where you know we have you know two lines and there's an election coming up so if you don't like it it's not working the new guy if it's a liberal can change it and i understand your point too dan you know as a guy that ran for council in peterborough this is obviously upsetting to you and uh, Well, they're, they are planning on rolling this out to other cities after a certain period of time. They're, they're looking at that in the future. All right. That's part of the, part of the provision. I, I, you know, I just, uh, there are maybe other ways of dealing with it other than this. For me, I mean, no, there's no, apparently there's no other place in the world that has done this. Okay. Uh, and, you know, there, I, I, I appreciate gridlock is a situation, but also, I mean, what, how does this play in the future? Let's say you're doing something, you know, really bad for the environment and the, you know, the mayor is in charge, doesn't believe that they're, they're in global warming or whatever. And they keep going at more global warming initiatives in the city of Toronto. I, you know, well, I would respond to that by saying we'll probably be dead. So well, I know one of us will be. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. One third of us will be dead. I use the phrase big, bad, conservative man. And may I say, you know, it was 59 years ago today that shots rang out in Dallas 
it took down uh, President John F. Kennedy. And I just, you know, that whole phrase, I would love to hear shots ring out at Mar-a-Lago and, you know, a sniper from far away happened to catch the orange thing as he walked yeah. out by the pool or something. Yeah. And I know people are saying, you are you advocating for the death of, yeah, oh yeah. of that man? And it's like, yeah, because he's a world threat. I want Putin dead. I want, you know, that guy in North Korea dead. I Maybe the Chinese president too dead. And I group uh, the orange man with those people, the world threat. Can so, you- yeah. Can you imagine the Zabruder film of that, though, with the head, the pumpkin head going back and to the left? And the thing is, though, whereas, unfortunately, the, the great president, you know, JFK, you know, some of his brain matter actually splattered out onto the uh, streets and, and to Jen to Jackie with with Trump, who would just be fucking a, a, a puff like, you know, like a che- an orange puff of cheese. Mm-hmm. So want to get somebody want to get the pool skimmer, please. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was shot in the head and nothing came out. Uh, yeah, we got lots of Trump stuff for you tomorrow. I know you're like, hey, there's all the Trump stuff. Uh, there is one more story I thought you might get to, Dan. Uh, and if I may, just uh, hijack the news uh, momentarily. Please do. I was uh, reading uh, last night. I had heard the story a few days ago about. I think we even talked about it. Uh, Jay Leno being pretty badly burned. Mm-hmm. And uh, he too. he was released from the hospital, I think, on the weekend. And they were they released some pictures of him. He uh, definitely had a a lot of damage done. Like I didn't, I couldn't quite see. If you go online, you, they've got a picture of him with his hospital staff, and very appreciative, I'm sure. And but uh, yeah, he's he's got a long road ahead of him because he's been he was pretty badly burned. Did did there's pictures of his face out there? Yes, sir. Oh, I didn't see that. I mean, yes, you know, it, yeah. it looks better than you, you know, it looks, you know, better than you'd think, you know, if somebody had a fire onto their face, but he's definitely got some, definitely has burns all over uh, part of his face and his hands were badly burned. And A celebrity like you, Dan, remember when you took the chainsaw to the face? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you not say, I don't want anybody to touch me until I know I have the best plastic surgeon? W- was that not the... Yeah. That's sort- kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure, Jay, you know, a celebrity such as you said, hey, okay, I want to go to the best burn unit. I want the best burn doctor. And I saw those pictures yesterday standing at the hospital in the foyer with all the nurses. And you could, as you say, Howard, you could see some, oh, so painful, eh? Oh, the burns on the face. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, oh. yeah, I thought that too, Freddie, that, you know, you've, you've ever burned yourself on the stove or with a... You know, when you were hot knifing as a kid. <laughs> um, but imagine that on your face and your hands and your ears. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that those pictures are av- available. What was he doing? He was underneath a car. He was working on something. And, and I, I guess the car. Engine. What's that? I heard it was a steam engine, too. Like uh, how that was with fi- whether it was a steam burn or a fire burn. I don't know. No, I, I, I think something's it was a steam engine, but something in the engine caught fire. Okay. Wow. Um, so there you go. Steam can be just as bad or worse, man. Have you ever like okay. burned your hand on a kettle or something like the steam of a kettle? Mm. It's a bitch. All right, a real bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tomorrow, there's lots of stuff to catch up on in the world of uh, you know our favorite subject. It is interesting being down here. I don't know. I know we could talk a little bit about the weather. We've got somebody standing by from uh, GoDaddy, and we'll get to them in a few minutes. But uh, I know Buffalo, that, that, everyone's talking about it down here. It was uh, on the topic of conversation. The, the Bills had to play in Detroit. They showed, uh, I saw some video of the stadium. What's the stadium in Buffalo called now? 
Hi, Mark. Formerly a rich stadium. They, I don't know how, Bill and I were talking about this. I don't know how they're going to shovel all those stands. Like, it's, there's an enormous amount of snow in that stadium. Well, they have a system um, that they have. But over the next few days, it's going to be 10 by Saturday. So there's going to be a lot of melting going on as well. Um, I, I know you guys have probably both had this experience. But here in a place that doesn't get winter, it's still like I was in the grocery store uh, yesterday picking up some stuff and Christmas decorations are up. Trees are up. There's I'm going to send you guys a picture of an inflatable Santa in front of this sort of Mexican <laughs> casa. It's pretty funny. There's like mm-hmm. there's some lights up around the neighborhood all, heard already. And yeah, it's just different here. It's in, it's interesting watching it develop because there was nothing when I got here. But in the last week, I've seen some Christmas decorations. And yeah, it's just different, you know. Mm hmm. What's the yeah. snow like there in uh, Toronto? Uh, we lost most of it here in Bramtooney yesterday. So I don't know about Peterborough. Dan, what was it like in Peterborough still? No, they had about eight inches of snow when I left there yesterday. Yeah. So pretty yeah, much it really gone. came down. Pretty much gone here in the GTA, I believe. Really? Mm-hmm. And around the, uh, the house there, Dan, it's all gone? Pretty much, yeah. Well, that's great. You know, I can't remember if we had this. When you're away, you would rather it be. No, no, I'm happy. I don't want it to be. No, no, I don't want him to have to go the inconvenience of walking those dogs in the snow. And but I, I can't remember if we talked about Buffalo had four feet of snow. Oh, some areas had six. But you know how much four feet of snow weighs on a house? Did we talk about this? It's twenty five thousand pounds Mm -hmm. of pressure on top of your roof. And it reminded me of that roof I had in Mississauga. You remember I had that flat roof and mm-hmm. at any amount of snow, it was always an, you know, cross your fingers that it wasn't going to come seeping through the ceiling. Yeah, I, my garage here in Brampton has a flat roof, but it's not. It's only 18 foot by 18 foot. But I often wonder about that. But so far, so good. But uh, yeah, in Buffalo, uh, just a, the phenomena of lake effect, Howard, um, I was watching on the news. You can have an area where there's six feet of snow and two kilometers away, there's one foot. And then another few kilometers from there, there's nothing because it just comes through like a blast, right? Like a, like a tunnel of snow. Mm-hmm. There were areas of there of Western New York that hardly had any. And then some that had six, they showed shots of it coming across Lake Erie towards Buffalo. It was scary. Plus there was thunder and lightning while it was happening. It was crazy. Yeah, and then there's, you know, it's so funny because that fucking idiot Larry the Cable Guy tweeting on the weekend. Well, you know, there, there's your global. He said, every winter, global warming goes away. Oh, fucking, honestly, the, 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 the sheer tonnage of stupid mm-hmm. people in that country is dizzy. And we have stupid people, too, obviously. Because um, you try to explain climate change also includes some places maybe getting colder or having episodes that involve cold weather. That's part of it, too, moron. Yeah, e- even Lake Ontario, yeah. though, because, you know, all the years I lived in Oakville, and it would be, you know, sometimes we'd have more snow in Oakville than by the time I got downtown, it wouldn't be much, or vice versa, again, depending on where you are around that lake because usually oakville got a lot more snow traditionally or oakville mississauga burlington that corridor got more snow than downtown just to where it sits the problem with buffalo it's right at the end of lake erie and prevailing winds usually come from the west on that angle Mm -hmm. so that's why they get it so bad 
you know, westerly winds right across that lake on that angle, and the and the city just sits at the end of the lake. And uh, well, we've seen it over the years. What happens to Buffalo? Uh, I think we're up to date. I'm just waiting for our guest to uh, join. And uh, Dan, are you? Uh, I know you. I know you want to get off to do your uh, regular work. Do you have time to stick around, or do you want to just? Uh, yeah, I got. I got a little time. I'll. Uh, you know. My, and I appreciate you doing that. That's nice. Yeah. Hanging out with you. you know, um, Howard, you know. by the way, um, I guess we'll save it for Thursday. Lots of reaction to your... Um, <laughs> my meltdown last week. Maybe, meltdown, maybe that's, maybe that's what of, caused it. <clears throat> your impassioned plea for, you know, reaction to what you said. And a lot of people cut back with, you know, their theories on why people are reluctant to comment. Which I agree with some of them. Some of them I don't. Uh, oh yeah, there was a, uh, an enormous amount of response. But uh, and we also got some response. You said we're talking about Trump tomorrow, and we got you know a, a few you know stop talking about American politics. Not oh, yeah. that that's going to happen, but we acknowledge they we get those. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I and I, I tell you what, it's funny. While while we're waiting, we got another about ninety seconds before this person is supposed to come on. Why don't I just read this? Because, it, you know, it's funny. It's not email Thursday, but it does kind of... I don't know if you saw this. Hi, guys. Hi and guys. it's from somebody Hi named Tanya, who says, Hi, guys. Let me start off by saying I was an avid listener back in the Mojo days. Um, I've recently come back after your coverage of the dumpster fire that happened on my favorite morning show. And I'm assuming she's referring to Derringer. She said, I, uh, and I'm hooked all over again. Your podcast is everything I loved at Mojo. Just humble and Fred plus Dan and his principal member. <laughs> she says, this thank is a woman, Dan, this, this is a, a woman, a woman, Dan, who says, thanks for giving me a place to land. And she signs it. Cheers. Tanya and I thought isn't that a you know one of those things where you just think you know all those years ago that experiment could you know was it was just such a great idea that they could still be doing right now yeah so on (laughs) I was gonna say on so that on that happy note and even further to that I mean if we wanted to be really deviant we could have maybe ended up where disgraced the boy was, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Good morning. Oh, there's Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Hi Anna. Guys? Good. I'm just going to get you some uh, music as we introduce you. Let me, oh, there we go. And I'm going to go to uh, this text. Uh, welcome back to our program. Anna De Palma is a real estate broker with Keller Williams in the Orangeville area. She's uh, endorsed as one of HGTV's Scott McGilvery's trusted agents. Wow. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, going into uh, your fifth year in uh, business and specializes in working with first-time home buyers and young families who are upsizing. Welcome to the show, Anna. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of people talking real estate these days, Anna. It, uh, it's always a subject that people like to discuss, but it seems when there's volatility in the market, it, uh, it always uh, comes up. Let's just talk a little bit about some current trends, and then we'll get into uh, some questions and maybe talk about your career and your journey. Yeah, sounds good. 
um, yeah, so like current trends in the market right now, um, I mean, that's obviously a hot topic. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking, I, well, personally, for my own experience with clients, um, because I do work with a lot of first time home buyers, uh, the fear with the media is really getting in, in people's heads. And I think I'm trying to focus more on, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was kind of how much can I get for my home and and all this stuff. And now it's more about like, what are your goals? Like, what are your actual goals here? Like if your goals to upsize long-term as a family or you're, you're buying your first home and you're going to be in it for five, 10 years, like let's not worry about what's going on right now because like long-term, um, like you'll still make money, just, you know, get into the market sort of thing. So I think now I'm really trying to focus more on people's like goals versus just like, you know, all the noise in the media right now. Because a and lot of people are nervous. That, that you make such a good point. You know, when they even talk about a recession, it's like, maybe yeah. we're not going to have a recession. But if you keep telling the world that we're going to have a recession, <laughs> yeah, and they stop spending money because they're so freaked out about what yes. they read online and on the news, it'll happen. So yeah. you just got to relax. I mean, that's such a good point. It's just another byproduct of where we're at with too much information sometimes. I know. And I actually heard somewhere um, at a conference I was at yesterday, they were talking about the difference between fear and fright and how fear, everyone kind of like runs and doesn't do anything. But it's almost like we're in fright where no everyone's just pausing and no one's doing anything. It's like this inaction. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because a lot of people are wanting to buy, but everyone's kind of just sitting on the sidelines, like waiting, but then it's like, no one knows what they're waiting for. So, Mm -hmm. well, I was going to say, we gave some context as to your career and and how you've come to this point. So let's get right to, you know, some of the meat of this. And there's a lot of news, as you say, on the market. So what are you actually hearing from buyers and sellers? From buyers, a lot of people are, are, are saying we're going to, there's a lot of fear with the rates. Um, a lot of people aren't approved for as much as they were, let's say when the rates were lower, but I'm trying to, again, like a a lot of it right now is just educating people. So I find it really helps when people see a difference in monthly payments when the rates were low, but you were purchasing like way higher versus now the rates are a bit high. Like, well, they are definitely higher. They've doubled, but your payments. Um, your purchase price has come down, right? So at least you're, there's this thing that's going around that it's like you you date the rate, but you marry the purchase price. You can't change your purchase price, but you can change your rate if it goes down. You can refinance. Like you're not stuck to that rate. So I think a, a lot of it is just education around like buying and selling right now. I, I was going to say, I love that phrase. Say it again. You date the rate, but you marry the purchase price. Yeah. Like you can't change your purchase price, but you can change your rate. if it That's goes awesome. Down. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, you know, and that's sort of the GoDaddy uh, slant here is marketing is really important. Yeah. Even what you say there, I mean, you know, an online presence, even to explain that to people. So they can yeah. actually read it and get the other side that isn't hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it definitely makes a big difference. And um, a lot of what I'm trying to do right now is just educate people on like social, especially social media. It's so huge right now, right? So just giving out, you know, information that is easy to understand. It, it's it's hard because you don't want to just like flood people because I feel like everyone's flooded with information right now, but. Um, like you also want to be that like voice of like 
optimism too. Like, okay, you were not, the market's not crashing or how certain are you that it's crashing? Everyone is like so certain, but no one really knows for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just educating right now. So you became your own boss uh, five years ago. Um, You enjoy that. We're our own bosses. Nothing like it. Right. Anna. And what have you learned along the way? Oh, wow. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, it's, when I first started, it was an adjustment, not having a, a salary job. It's And I had a part-time job for a really long time. And then everyone kept saying, you just got to go like fully into it. And and it's scary. But I think like, I mean, it's not for everyone, but it really dry, it pushes me to really. Sure. We don't, we don't get paid, obviously, until we like close a deal, right? So it really pushes us to, pushes me to you know, be diligent on how I'm spending my time um, and kind of has that gives you that drive inside too. And, and talk a little bit about GoDaddy and, you know, uh, online presence and how it's helped. Uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about GoDaddy the last couple of months about support and on, you know, getting yeah. started and they'll help you create your website. They've got 24 seven phone support and someone in a business like yours where you sort of basically, you know, you only eat what you kill. You only get paid if you make a deal. How is having GoDaddy helping support you online and how has that helped your business oh it's actually been really huge because when i got my website last year um and then even my own like domain with my email it's all just like part of your branding like people look at you even when i I tell them my email it's like at my domain because i bought it through like godaddy which is linked to the website it kind of just it gives you like a different like look mm-hmm. um it's not like it's just a gmail email like i don't know it's all just like your branding and, and, and I'm, I'm, do you think it makes you feel or, or seem more professional when somebody's looking at that i think so i i've even had clients are like i didn't even know that was a thing so it, it definitely it definitely helps and the and having a website and and just all of it now online presence in general is, is huge and a lot of my business actually does come from like my, my website and Instagram specifically. Um, so I really do try to go and put a lot of focus on social. Well, that's uh, somewhat inspiring today. Again, I like to hear these stories where it's not as bad as everyone thinks it is. And uh, again, somebody that's in the market for a house, I mean, you know, you explained it perfectly. You know, rates are up, prices down. It can still mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And, and Anna, if somebody's interested in uh, buying or selling with you, let's give yourself a plug. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can. I'm I'm on all social platforms. So Instagram is just my first and last name, Anna De Palma. Facebook, it's Anna De Palma. Um, my website, uh, yeah, I'm on all those platforms. Just at Anna De Palma. Right on. Well, yeah, and as Fred said, it's inspiring. It's great to see somebody that. Uh, is an entrepreneur much like ourselves you've hung in there long enough and you know they say if you can get past that first year you're more successful than 90 percent of people that start their own business and here you are uh doing well five years later we wish you nothing but the best thanks to GoDaddy for introducing us to anna de palma if you want to get a home from anna make sure you check her out on all social platforms by the way what is your website um www.annadepalma.ca annadepalma.ca I'm sure that's not the last we're going to hear about that good luck to you (laughs) thank you so much guys enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of your day weren't you a very nice person all right take care all right there's Anna De Palma 
I'm playing a little Our Lady Peace because tomorrow's guest is our buddy, Jeremy Taggart. Uh, I can't remember the last time we had Jeremy on the show, but I've been in touch with him a little bit lately, and uh, he's just a great guy, and he is... uh, He's an interesting character. He's uh, one of the best drummers in rock. Great podcast. And uh, something happened a few weeks ago, and I want to talk to him about this tomorrow, where Jeremy has taken uh, Twitter up a notch or two. He's just, he's a good follow. Go check him out on Twitter. And uh, he's just, uh, something happened. I don't know what what it was, but he's gotten a lot more aggressive the last few weeks. And we can find out why tomorrow. Um, Politically? Yeah. Politically and just and just a you know kind of like us at some point he's just has had enough of the shit you know and he's just kind of gone like fuck it I'm just going to comment on things I want to and if you don't like it you know whatever. Um, the, the the thing about Twitter uh, again when I was part of it and I still see stuff from time to time guys like our buddy Jeff Merrick and everything who is a big part of what they do when you see their tweets and how often they are in the timestamps it's like that's a. You spend a lot of time in the day actually looking at that thing and contributing, and it's. I, I I can see how it becomes obsessive, especially if you're getting a reaction, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I uh, I have definitely seen that in my own life, and I can tell you from watching Jeremy that you know. Again, I'm curious as to why the shift, but there's definitely been a shift in his presence. Uh, Dan Duran, thank you for your uh, time today. We appreciate you sticking around. Um, oh, it's always fun. I will uh, see you guys uh, tomorrow. Thanks for your support. Appreciate it. Gord willing. Gord willing. Yeah. All right. And uh, stay strong, everyone. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. You can email us, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Hearts and stars, liking and subscribing helps us out, so if you would. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, the sheer tonnage of stupid people out there is something we all have to deal with. So take a deep breath, post that on your heart log, and enjoy every goddamn day. Saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?